this. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. It is still the offseason for the Cincinnati Bengals. The Combine is next week. Free agency three weeks from today. Franchise tag window. We've talked plenty about that in the future of T. Higgins to be determined when that is official. But I think it's going to be the last day of the franchise tag deadline. But another thing in Bengals news, which is kind of the annual argument or discussion when it comes to some of these contracts and cap hits for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, I'm seeing that out there right now when it comes to guys like Sam Hubbard and, of course, Joe Mixon. And and I want to start with Joe Mixon, even though I just hate bringing up these contracts and cap hits and all of that fun stuff. But it is filler time before we get to free agency and NFL draft. And it's still going to be a hot topic. And we'll actually find out that I feel like what the Cincinnati Bengals are going to do with Joe Mixon by March 16th, it won't be a late summer situation where they're, you know, having that discussion with Joe Mixon to restructure his contract or anything like that. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they decide to cut him and re-sign him if that happens. Or maybe they say, you know what, we're not going to do anything different to your contract. You're going to be back here in 2024 and um, we'll we'll take the, the cap hit on it. When it comes to Joe Mixon, and we can talk about the running game in just a moment. And then also I want to kind of compare it to Sam Hubbard in production. You know, what is kind of your outlook on what that's going to look like for the Bengals in the front office? Yeah, um, the Joe Mixon thing is always interesting to me because where I am on his possibility of being cut this year is I doubt it. I don't know. Like, I, I think a lot of people, depends where you are on this whole scale of things, they kind of put their own personal opinion into, into, into this specifically, and that's fine. I think there's multiple ways you could go about this, and I think there's validity in cutting him or trying to make him take another pay cut or whatever. You might look at it and go, Joe, you're not seeing more than $5 million on the open market. Like Barkley's out there, Jacobs is out there, Eckler's out there. You know, like you've got some stiff competition, blah, blah, blah. And then let's just cut it back. Let's cut the cap hit down again. Although the cash hit is small this year, mm-hmm. I think. Something like $5 million. Um and that would give him more to play around with. And especially like the, the cut idea, you've got a lot of money to play around with where, yeah, you got to go find another running back, but you could pigeonhole yourself in the draft or go find like a league minimum, like go find your Deontay Foreman type. Now, I think as a contender, that's risky mm-hmm. because I don't think Chase Brown, even though he did it in college, is really ready for a full-time role and to do every run at the NFL level, at least he didn't look like he was just there yet this season. So, you know, Mixon can take a bunch of carries, can take the load off, can let these guys work the designer runs, the fun runs while he takes the grimy wide zone, read it out duo type stuff where he's got to pound his head into the defense for three yards. And that's okay. You need somebody to take the, it's, it's like, um, I'm not huge into baseball, but like you have pitchers that are pretty, pretty much there to eat innings, right? Like, yeah, somebody's got to pitch those innings. It's like, well, somebody's got to gain those yards and he's actually pretty good at it. So why don't we let him keep doing that? Um, But yeah, I see the validity on both sides of this. I think a lot of the idea of like cutting him comes from 
it making some sense. I think it makes sense. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I think it makes sense to go make the team better. That's why people are arguing like you don't go and pay T Higgins all this money. Well, you free up some money if you let Mixon go. I think that comes a lot from like, oh man, that would help this team a lot versus what the team has shown that they're mm-hmm. probably going to do. I mean, what they do every year that we have this discussion is keep Joe Mixon. So until I see it, hit the transactions, hit Twitter, hit whatever, I'm probably thinking he's on the team next year. I, I'd put it like a, I don't know, four, I think there's a chance. So like 40% chance there's, that he could get, would be on the team, 60% chance he is on the team. I think greater than 50% chance he's on the team though. Yeah, I'm, I am definitely think on the 50%. Um, obviously you have guys like Paul Daner had a piece out today when it comes to the future of Joe Mixon and obviously kind of his thoughts on it. And I know how a lot of the fan base feels. For me, I feel so many different ways about this topic. And obviously it's very exhausting because we had it last year, but we're going to keep having it when it comes to production and in that running back position. There are a lot of ways to look at it. Joe Mixon did a solid to the team last year and took a pay cut. And, you know, they worked out there. This is what the contract's going to look like for these final two years. And and credit to Joe Mixon for doing that. Um, He is a huge leader, captain of the team. Obviously, a huge locker room guy. And I truly do think the Bengals front office is very loyal um, to a lot of the players, maybe almost too loyal to, to some of the, the team members they keep in there. Not not just Joe Mixon in general, but just they've been that way. Um, you know, they they truly like to have these guys kind of live out their contracts. And, um, you know, rarely are they saying, oh, let's cut ties. We're going to take a hit in the, in the cap room, even though we're going to lose money because of this. All they, they usually hang on to these guys. And for Joe Mixon, I, I think you can look at it a lot of ways. I'm okay with Joe Mixon being on this team in 2024. I do think you need another running back in there. It can't be Joe Mixon and Chase Brown. They need three running backs by committee. I think that's going to help them have production. I also hear the argument of Zach Taylor doesn't want to run the ball or they can't run the ball. Yeah, whatever. I don't care about that argument. I, 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 I can't stand it. It makes me want to pull my hair out. Um, if you have production, if you are explosive, Zach Taylor will run the ball. Joe Burrow, their own quarterback, who is in charge of throwing the ball, said in the last press conference of the season, we need to get more explosive in the run game. He mentioned that. I I think that stuff is extremely important. I I think it's all true. And then I also think, why is like a pretty large section of the fan base so obsessed with running the ball when you have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins? It's like, what are we doing? Like we want to give the ball and not give those guys a chance right. to make it a play more often than not. Like I, I know run past conflict. Like I understand all of this. <clears throat> I think that goes out the window a little bit when you have a superstar quarterback, a superstar wide receiver, a star second wide receiver, and you're probably adding another pass game weapon in the draft yeah. to replace Boyd or to get a tight end. It's like, come on guys. Like, <laughs> I understand like um, they're passing the ball too much, like maybe a little, but they're not going to become I, sometimes whenever I post those things, like we should be 50, 50, perfectly balanced. That's a top three rush volume. Why do you even have a quarterback that's highly paid in the modern NFL with that? Like if you're no. going to run the ball 50% of the time, Build your team that way. They don't build their team that way. They they need to be able to run the ball. You need to be able to run the ball more effectively to take mm-hmm. advantage of the way defenses play against them. But I don't think that they – I don't understand the whole, like, they should pound the rock and everything else with this team. It's like maybe a little more. Maybe they can get mm-hmm. under center a little more. 
but I think they're always going to be a pretty pass happy team when you're playing in the NFL with stars on the pass offense. I think all that's extremely important, but they have to get better in the run game. Yeah. It isn't good enough. And I agree with you. When you have guys like Jamar Chase, they're going to have T Higgins. They're going to franchise tag him. He's going to be here for one more year. They're going to get another weapon in the draft. Fun fact uh, from the Paul Daner podcast. He said that Duke Tobin, it's, it kind of feels like uh, there's a connection with leap years. He, every leap year and on day two, he gets a wide receiver. It so goes back four years. He's letting one go. Jerome Simpson, Muhammad right. Sanu, after Tyler, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. After Sanu left. Yeah. <laughs> it does feel like a little bit of a, they keep doing it when these guys are leaving. I mean, does Duke Tobin have like a leap year calendar? And he's like, mm, it's time to get that wide receiver on day two. And, and honestly. It's time to let a receiver go the year before. It would make all the sense in the world if they get a day two receiver. So we'll see what yeah. that looks like. But it will be kind of funny if they do end up getting a wide receiver on, on day two and, and kind of what that looks like. Um, it has to, He has to keep the trend going. But no, I agree with you. You have a guy like a Joe Burrow. You want him to throw the ball. I say he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. I know a lot of people don't care about rankings, but he's he's a top quarterback. Um, you have Jamar Chase. You have you have your weapons. Throwing the ball is number one. But I just I, there are times when I look back on games. You could look back in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City the second time. You can look at it in some of these games where you know we're we're starting to see where a, a wide receiver goes down. Tyler Boyd goes down in that AFC Championship game. If you had a run game going in that game probably could have been a little bit of a difference on one of the drives. I mean, goodness. You were, you were down three offensive linemen. Yeah, I know. But but still at the same time, <laughs> like having a little bit of a running game in some of these games. I agree. I just, yeah. Uh, I know. That, that game is back or whatever else. It's, it's like, still unbelievable. They were never running the ball. Chris Jones and those guys with Adenogy <laughs> and Sharp. I know. The way but still, Coleman. either – there are opportunities that they have to get better when it comes to running the ball. When right. when they take it away, when they're doubling up and you have a good secondary, you're facing a good secondary, what are you going to do when you can't run the ball? Right. Uh, so you know? I want to look it up real quick. I think everybody here is Joe Mixon's sixth highest cap hit, 8.85, so almost $9 million cap hit this season. The only guys ahead of him are Alvin Kamara at number one, which was a little surprising to me, and Aaron Jones at number two, who just restructured. So he also, giant cap hit, wasn't expecting. Nick Chubb, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, and Jonathan Taylor. James Conner, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Naheem Hines in the top 10. That was shocking. But, like, that's that's it's kind of high for what he's doing. Like, is he the sixth best running back in the league right now? No. Is he a top 10 running back in the league right now? Eileen, probably not anymore. I think he was a couple of years ago, but – to me, he's lost a little bit. Um, and some of these second round guys, like you look in, yeah, Brees Hall, second round guy, $2 million contract. And you look at James Cook, 1.5 million. Ken Walker, 2.3. It's like, yeah. oh. And then Raheem Mostert's like a $3 million cap hit. So, like, that's another one that's like, oh, come on. But even like the highly drafted guys, not, they make less than um, Mixon does, you know. Got Gibbs at four million and Bijan at five million, so it's tough to swallow the idea of well, we're going to put nine million dollars of cap, know. our limited cap. We only have so much cap space. I know they have a lot of cap space that's going away once you tag T and extend Chase, yeah. uh, at least a little bit, not yeah. all the way or anything. They can still make moves, and then you have to sign a right tackle. You have and to sign a, uh, an okay tight end. You have to sign 
a pair, I think, of defensive tackles. So when you factor all that in, it's like, well, there's not as much cap space to do the fun play around things as you'd like. Um, but yeah, that is a way to free up some cap space. Now, on the other hand, I think this team is loyal to Mixon. I think there's a reason that they keep him is not only the loyalty, but also Mixon took the pay cut, was fine with it, and then played the season. I think it would probably be a bad look for the organization if they then cut him the next year to save a little bit more money when he already took the pay cut, which not everybody cares about that. And mm -hmm. I don't I, I see the validity on both of these sides. This is mm -hmm. always a tough conversation, but it I understand. Is. I understand the restructure idea, the cut idea, and just the keep him idea and let him play out his last year. And I think we were also going to try to talk very quickly <laughs> about the Sam Hubbard idea. It's not happening though. So like, at the I, same do, time, I, I do, I do. I want to hit on this yeah. really, 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 really quickly because there's other things to get to, but kind of just to end that, I, I, I do wish that would be the last thing that we would have to say about Joe Mixon's contract. But again, March 16th is going to be a big decision for them. That's when they have to pay him his bonus. Um, that's when you really know if the Cincinnati Bengals are going to just keep him on the roster. But again, I could see there's a situation where they cut him and they resign him. So We'll see. We'll see what that looks like at a lower number. Uh, kind of going over to Sam Hubbard because there's that conversation of the production was down. You could put Miles Murphy out there and save a whole lot of money on the Sam Hubbard yeah. side. Um, when you look at that, uh, we talk about how loyal this team is. None of this should matter, but I'm going to bring it up. Hometown guy, drafted him. He's, you know, there was other production at times, but this year he was battling an injury most of the season, I guess. Um, but the hit is very high when you have somebody like Miles Murphy out there on the sideline, who I feel like will get more reps this year. What do you do about Sam Hubbard? And do you think the Cincinnati Bengals are having a similar conversation with him? I don't think they're actually having that conversation. <laughs> I think that... Um... I, th I think that this is just a idea that can be floated around because it could make sense from a money perspective. But to me, I think that Sam Humber is just going to play on that contract. Now I am of the mind. I would probably try to restructure that deal. I, I think that would make sense. I think it saves you 5 million in cap and restructuring is not necessarily a pay cut. It just means you're converting whatever to whatever. I don't really fully understand it, but you usually do it when you know a guy's going to be on the team throughout that contract. So you could do that with Hubbard because he's probably going to be on the team mm -hmm. <laughs> even next season. So you push some of that money around and do magic with it. I don't think there's a chance they cut him or trade him. I just think they're very loyal to these players. My main issue with the whole Hubbard contract and with uh, not him, but like, his role right now is I think Murphy right now is a better pass rusher. Like day one next year will most likely be still a better pass rusher and he's getting better. So you're kind of limiting his growth. I think his potential to get better, to get live game reps, to keep Hubbard going. And it could have just been injury. I thought Hubbard kind of started showing some age showing he was not the dominant run defender that he once was last season. He was not a very good pass rusher. It was always to me noticeable when Murphy would come in for Hubbard on pass rushes and he was much better at least more explosive. He would beat in like high end tackles. He would beat mid tier tackles. It just Hubbard had moments where he was good, but I, I feel like I, they are limiting the, growth potential of Murphy and not giving Murphy his opportunity 
to just, you know, not just see those reps, but also yep. just accumulate, you know, get some more sacks, get, you know, make, do more, have more production. I think it's possible Hubbard's still the better run defender, but I just wonder about like, what is the gap there? And is it worth still playing Hubbard all of these snaps over Murphy? Murphy's your future. You drafted him in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like he's probably, he should be more in your future plans than Hubbard is just because of the age difference there and the draft capital spent. So let's get him on the field. And if the only way to do that is to reduce the contract, because you'll be thinking like Hubbard makes all this money. We can't take him off the field. We got to keep him out. Like, well then lower that, lower that number (laughs) and feel better about it. But I don't think you have to, I feel like you could just play Hubbard less and play Murphy more, but yeah. Yeah. I think you need to do what's best for your team. And in that situation, you, you, you bring it up and you're not, you're not helping miles Murphy at all. It's year two for him. He's a first round talent. He's your future. And we only got to see a little bit of him when he was out there. He took a full advantage of it, all of his reps. And this defense needs all the help they can get outside of Trey Hendrickson to get pressure on a quarterback. So, you know, put the better guy out there. And I think, you know, again, to make it fair, if we're having these conversations about Joe Mixon production, the number, the cap hit, then go ahead and have, you know, the similar topic of conversations with Sam Hubbard, because that number is really high for a position that you currently have in your draft pick. So I, I agree. I don't know if any, I don't even know if they'll have that conversation with Joe Mixon. I don't know if they'll have a conversation with Sam Hubbard. Again, all of these decisions when it comes to Joe, we'll know soon uh, for Sam Hubbard, this thing could it could be, you know, behind closed doors. They could talk about it. But again, we have nobody, no inside source or anybody is bringing up the Sam Hubbard conversation. They're just like, well, what about his hit? You know, it's not the Bengals are talking about this, that maybe they'll talk to Sam Hubbard. Nobody is. We, d- we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But I think those conversations are extremely important because the only thing I care about, and I'm sure you feel the same way, just give me the best players that helps this team win a Lombardi. I don't care if he's your favorite player or or I, I I like the team. Give me the best team on offense and defense that helps them win a Lombardi. Outside of everything else, I do not care, just as long as the best players are out there. And um, you still have time to take advantage of this free agency and the NFL draft, which I'm really pumped to talk about free agency. And we're going to do a little wish list because we are three weeks away. Next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We're getting closer. It is almost March. There are 21 days until free agency. And I am so pumped to talk about that because maybe I'm getting my hopes up, but I still think the Cincinnati Bengals will go into free agency getting some of their needs. And in the NFL draft, they'll get hopefully the best player available at the position they are looking for. For me personally, I am extremely terrified of what the defensive line, the trenches look like right now going into the 2024 season. I'm scared on February 21st as we're recording this. I do think it'll look different in three weeks. I think it'll look different when you get into the month of April and before you even hit training camp. They will have more bodies, new faces, maybe a similar one or maybe an old face will will be back. Uh, Hopefully DJ Reader, but we'll see. When you think about this wish list for the Cincinnati Bengals, how do you want them to handle it as we're recording in February? Again, all this can change in March. Uh. They need they need somebody at right tackle. You can't go into the draft and your starting right tackle is Cody Ford, Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen competition. Like I couldn't think of a bigger 
yellow, like giant neon sign that says they're drafting a tackle guys <laughs> right at 18. Cause you have to, mm-hmm. that changes. Even if you get like a George Fant. if you get a George Fant over there, you can go like, we could survive. <laughs> it's kind of like the kind of like Riley reef was. It's like, we can survive on that. You're Riley <laughs> reef away from a Lombardi. That just gives me so much PTSD. So I think you have to sign some type of right tackle. I think there's a lot of options. I think to me, I think I would go with solid versus potential. I think if I wanted to get potential in the right tackle position, I would go to the draft. I don't think there are players in like the high end market when I'm thinking of Mike on I don't think there are mm-hmm. players in that market. Tyron Smith, not players in that market. Unless those guys come to them and just want to play it, kind of like I guess your Orlando Brown thing, yeah. But otherwise, like it's not realistic to think that they're going to go after those guys. In my opinion, I think Trent Brown will be in their price range, but it'll be because he has some off-field stuff, not like not not anything illegal. No, just he in his last contract had a weight clause and. Patriots media, it seems like every offseason is wondering, where is he? Is he going to show up? And then uh, it also felt like with the Raiders, it was like a, oh, that's what we're getting like nope. type of situation. And outside of New England, he just hasn't been that guy. So I'd, I'd have a lot of concerns there. You move into maybe it is a Jermaine Illuminor guy. I mean, that just feels destined, right? It does. I think that's solid. I think that's fine. I think it provides you okay play. They're not going to be in the Jonah Williams market either because I think he'll actually be closer to Unwainu than he is like uh, an Illuminor in terms of like somebody's going to give him some money, I think. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, it could be Illuminor. It could be Fant. It could be uh, – that's that's kind of like your – that guy can play mm-hmm. tier to me. And then you have the tier that's like that guy hasn't done too well lately but I sure am interested. Now I wouldn't personally be in this market, but that's where I could see the Mackay Becton, Frank Pollock reunion. Although I don't think Becton liked playing right tackle for the jets. That is where it was like, he hasn't played well the past couple of years at his best season under Pollock and is a high potential signing for like low risk or yeah, low risk in terms of money, although high risk in terms of your quarterback. And that's also where Yash Nyman would be for me where I, I he got, I think he got moved to like the fourth tackle for the Packers and he was not good in their playoff game. And he was up and down when he played it during the season, but there's a lot of athleticism there. There's a lot of reason to believe it could get better. I don't know. So that I would, I personally would mess with that solid right tackle market, that Illuminor type versus Mm -hmm. trying to go into some of those risk situations could be low money, but which could be low risk money wise, but high risk in terms of like your quarterback could die. Uh, so I would definitely go there. I'm signing at least two defensive tackles. I think you have to realize that's a weakness on this team and you can't rely on a guy falling to you. So you need, I think two defensive tackles. I think you probably want three new defensive tackles this off season. Like ideally you sign Sheldon Rankins and Tyre Tart, and then you go into the draft and, Johnny Newton falls and you get him too. Like that would be awesome, right? Like that, that sounds great. Or maybe you get Devondre Sweat in round two, or you go for Byron Murphy or whoever. Like you get a round one, round two DT to go with those two pretty good defensive tackles. And now you've turned what had no depth into a position group that has a lot of depth. 
that would be ideal to me. And uh, other than that, gotta sign, gotta sign a, a tight end. I think. Now, I don't think you have to. I would, but I think you could probably do the sample Hudson thing and survive again. It's just if Bowers doesn't fall to you, then you're probably that. That's probably gonna be basically your unit for the year. I mean, I haven't watched that Sanders guy or Stover or some of these other guys, but it, it feels like it's Bowers and then a pretty steep drop. Like he's ready to play week one, and the other guys, well, they're they're tight. They're gonna be tight ends that take a second. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think you go into. I honestly think they're gonna go. They'll get one offensive tackle. I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of look at the guard room, but nothing too crazy, nothing like guard money crazy, um, but a little bit of competition possibly. The for- Dalton Risner connection with Riscotti, the new uh, coach, is interesting to me, although <laughs> nobody mentions it. Got a connection to K.J. Osborne. I have mild interest, not too much, but if you, know you wanted what? to find a wide receiver who can see the field – and can play some slot, it's there. <laughs> I would love any addition on the offensive side, but I do think that they go into free agency as no crazy spender in the tackle room. And honestly, Jonah Williams, he's going to get the bag, and he'll go to a team where he doesn't have to face Miles Garrett every single year, and he'll he'll dominate. He'll truly dominate at his position, and we'll see it. As, and I hope he does. I wish Jonah Williams all the best, but that's what's going to happen. Um, I think that they're kind of more in the – tier two tackles in free agency, maybe almost kind of close to like a average. Would that, would you say Jermaine is around an average? Or yeah, both? sure. Yeah. So we'll go average, just like a two-year deal, nothing too crazy, um, but still be in the market at 18 to get one of the tackles if they fall in that range, which I think there will be a tackle available when the Cincinnati Bengals pick. Um, unless it goes crazy and the top 10 people decide we're going to go offense alignment, offense alignment, wide receivers start to fall. So we'll see what that looks like for them. But I think in free agency overall, if we're just focusing on that right tackle and free agency, um, maybe another offensive line, because you need depth. You need to look at the center position too. And then I look over on the defensive tackle and I agree with you. I could see them bring in three bodies in, but I think defensive tackle is where they go and spend that big money. Uh, because every year I feel like they have like that big splash free agency name. And they're productive. I've been really happy with them. And I, I know Orlando Brown, we'll see what he does in year two with the Cincinnati Bengals, but I, I believe in him. But I think that they will spend money on a huge defensive tackle. Maybe I'm getting my hopes up or it's wishful thinking. I'm optimistic about it, but I think that's where their big name is going to come from. You think, um, I don't even think there is a big name coming. You don't? Do you do? Like, like, do you mean like a, what, what, what do you mean by defensive tackle big name? Do you mean like a Chris Jones player or do you mean some a okay. step below that, like Matabike? Step below. Or, step, below. Um, step below Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones is in, a, in another world. If I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, you have a really hard decision in Chris Jones or Sneed, which one you're extending. I would extend Chris Jones. Yes, yeah, sir. But they're, I wouldn't be surprised if they extend Sneed. You know? Yeah, it pro- might be easier to extend because they had those issues with Jones. But either way, like I don't think they're in the Jones market. No, I, no, no, I no. would be surprised if they're in the Matabike type market. Really? We'll see. I don't know. I don't hear things or anything. I just go based off of what I feel like the Bengals do. Like what I feel like they do is go sign two guys for that price. Like like everybody talked about when they let William Jackson the third go, and then you sign or him or Lawson, whoever you want to put 
in that position. They let him go, and then you go sign two guys. You go sign Chidobe Wuzier and Trey Waynes, and Trey Waynes didn't really work. But no, I think that could be the idea of like, yeah, we're well, they're letting Reader go, which is its they own are. thing. They're going to let him go. They really probably, are. Probably. I'm leaning into it. I'm leaning into it. Not not happy about it, but I'm leaning into it. would be ecstatic it. if they bring him back, but I think they're letting him go. And then they're going to go, okay, cool. We'll sign two guys for that price. And then they go sign. My idea, I think, would be about two guys for that price, like Sheldon Rankins and Tayer Tart. I think okay. it costs you maybe the same, less than whatever reader signs for per year. But I don't know. I I would love if they went for a higher end guy. Like if they went for a Matabike, if they went for Christian Wilkins, that'd be great. Like I I think you need those guys because at, at some point you need another guy on the defensive line who's a big winner, a big pass rush win, a guy that can win when he's singled up. Because when they're devoting some resources to take down Trey Hendrickson, or Trey Hendrickson is injured or banged up or whatever, you need another guy. Or Hendrickson just needs a break. Yeah, I think Murphy could be that guy. But why not just make sure you have that guy instead of just thinking like, I think this guy could be that guy. Let's just go get Matabike because I know he's that guy. Yeah, that's what I want them to do. Um, you look, I, I've said this, I've said it a couple times on the podcast since the Super Bowl ended. The reason, and I'm not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes, the reason why they were in back-to-back Super Bowls, big reason why they have two Lombardis right now in back-to-back years, Chris Jones is a difference maker. He was a difference maker in the playoffs. People can say what they want about some regular season games, but he's the reason they beat the – and, of course, we know three offensive linemen helped, but he's he beat them in the AFC Championship game. He was able to get to the quarterback in the Niners' Super Bowl. He is huge. He is a difference maker. The Cincinnati Bengals have to do that. They looked absolutely lost. It is embarrassing the pressure they get to a quarterback when DJ Reader's not on the field. If Trey Hendrickson's not on the field, they, they, nothing, no pressure whatsoever. A team can run on them. I mean, I think about uh, the Texans game. It was, it was loud. It was just like, what, what is this defense doing? Um, it, they, they, it, 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 it impacts the linebacker room. It impacts the secondary. They need to get a game changing defensive tackle. And I think this is the free agency class that you do it because you can't bank on one of the rookies falling to at 18, even though we're going to talk about that more on the podcast. Um, you can't bank on the rookie giving that day one production. You need it now. And Lou's here. I'm sure he's asking for it. Give, spend the money in free agency on a defensive tackle. And they've been doing it for three years straight. I think they'll do it again. So that's where I'm at. Tier two, right tackle. You, you've got to go into the draft being able to get your best player available. That's how I feel. Yeah. I think I think you got to fill the holes and be able to set yourself up to take whoever. But I agree with you 100. Um, percent That that would be basically my idea. I know I was naming guys and whatever, but the idea is basically just set yourself up so that you don't have a situation where oh they drafted the tackles that we liked and now well Bowers isn't there and Newton's not there. Oh let, let's just grab. We don't have a, or a, well sorry misspoke they took all the tackles we like bowers and newton are there but our right tackle right now is deontay smith so we have to go ahead and reach and take whatever right tackle they take that would be that'd be bad and that is what some people also want anytime you talk about round one outside of offensive tackle they go think about burrow's injuries it's like you could fix that other ways too (laughs) like i agree i would take an offensive tackle if there's a value presented to me but where i always want to be in the draft is bpa at positions of need at least and hopefully not immediate 
start now need, although it would be nice to get a guy that starts right away. I think you think like one year down the road, like, I don't know. I, I think wide receiver is clearly a need, even if they signed a guy. I do too. But it would be like, cause T Higgins probably not here after this season. So if a wide receiver is there, Malik neighbors fell to 18 and they draft him makes sense to me. Even if he's not going to see the field hundred percent of snaps year one, I think it's okay. And I think we need to have that idea about a lot of positions, but yes, don't pigeonhole yourself in the draft, fill your needs, be like water and able to take whatever the draft is throwing at you and don't feel the need to like, we need a tackle. We're going to take that guy or we need offensive line. Let's just take that guy. When that guy isn't, you know, that's how you end up with Billy Price, basically. Exactly. And that is absolutely terrifying to think about. If Malik Neighbors is there at 15, they better jump, which he won't be. Um, but I, I'm all for all these quarterbacks going in the top 10. The hype is real. Make sure they all get drafted. Then these wide receivers start to fall. Then these offensive tackles start to fall. Maybe Brock Bowers is there. But that stuff will be exciting to talk about. Really looking forward to free agency first. The Combine's coming up right around next week, actually. And a few players actually want to talk about. You do have a great piece on one of them next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. One of my favorite things, you do a great job, not only over on Twitter, fans should follow Bengals underscore Sands. Obviously, you know where to follow them on Twitter, but also all Bengals. You have a good piece out now for Tavondre Sweat. Um, let's talk about if he's available at 18. What are you seeing on some of the tape and um, how he would fit on the defensive side? Okay. I think he's awesome. And I think he's going to fit a need because they're probably not bringing like we talked about. Basically all offseason and just the last segment, they're probably not bringing Reader back. So you're not going to have a dominant nose tackle. This is who that guy is. He's six foot four and 364 pounds. And that is insanely large. There, there are few guys as large. He's bigger than most of those, like listed bigger than Vince Wolfork. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Bring him in. Yeah. But moves. That's the crazy thing, because he can move, and I think that is insane that a guy that big can actually get off the ball and beat he, – he has a couple of reps, or he beats the center across his face, and, and it's like a guy 364 pounds, it should take him the entire play to get across that center's face. He should not be able to get over there in two steps, and then those two steps are faster than the center can move. Like That shouldn't be happening, but it happens, and I think that is a rare combination. We'll see. Uh, some of the negatives will get there, but he's got some hidden pass rush juice. Like a majority of the reason I would want him is because he is a dominant force as a run defender, takes on doubles extremely well. He takes on single blocks extremely well. He has this one issue. Uh, it's an issue a lot of guys that height are going to have. He, his pads get high sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a he doesn't he can't bend thing. I think it's just a this guy is six foot four and 364 pounds thing. And then he still doesn't get moved. I just think like when you're going to play against some of the like Wyatt Teller and like a Wyatt Teller and um, Ethan Posick double team might move that if you don't get low or uh, Joel Batonio or whoever you want to talk about, they might be able to move you even though you're huge and strong. So most reason I want him is that run defense. I think he could be the nose tackle. He blocked a kick. Thank you, Spencer. Not only that oh. caught a touchdown. Oh, I need this. The tight end, the tight end we always wanted. Uh, but yeah, giant dude. 
I think he's a great run defender. I think he can do something around with DJ Reader, not not at DJ Reader's level, but let's talk about like a, you know maybe he eventually gets somewhere near there and is one of the best nose tackles in the league. And then I think there is the hidden pass rush juice where he's got some moves. They're violent. He misses with them. They're currently not timed too well, but they're there. And I think that's important that you're not starting from like ground zero. You're starting from he's got some stuff. It needs, you know, sharpened. There's there's a dull blade here that if we sharpen that, not only is he, you know, an awesome nose tackle run defender, but he's one of those rare nose tackles that can actually rush the passer and stay on the field. So I, there are concerns, the pad level, which I mentioned. I heard from listening to a Dane Brugler podcast and seeing some other stuff. Some people are concerned about effort. And before this season, I guess this year, he, he took everything very serious. But prior to this season, wasn't taking it that serious. And that kind of showed because he won every award this year that I think a nose tackle could. He won the award for the best trench player on either side of the ball. I can't remember what that was That's called. Huge. Yeah, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Unanimous first team All-American. But last year, the best thing he had was that he was a preseason second team all Big 12 nominee. <laughs> I was like, okay. Ooh. So they did not – I actually watched him last year, and I thought he still had that movement. I was, like, kind of interested. But now I'm very interested. Yes, Outland Trophy. <laughs> that that was the trench uh, award. I'm not huge in the college, so I don't know all these no. things. But, it's um, all in, yeah, no, I I think he's definitely somebody when you think of him, I know you mentioned without DJ reader, if there's a possibility that DJ reader doesn't return when you think of him out there in this defense, and, and I still think they probably get somebody in free agency. You know, do you think he's kind of like a day one, this guy can make an impact on an NFL roster? Yeah, I think so. I think that I would expect him to be as good as Keanu Benton was for the Steelers or something like that, where like that guy's a, he, he, whenever he's in the game, he's doing some good stuff. Like he's a plus run defender and there's some sneaky pass rush juice. I'm expecting that to translate a little bit. He is 23. So he should be an early contributor. You don't want to draft a guy that's 23 years old. That's going to take a couple of years. Like if miles Murphy was 23 years old, I think we would be singing a different tune than what we currently are doing. Cause he's, he was, Turned 21, I think, during the season or something. Yeah, he's really young. Or maybe turned 22 during the season. Just extremely young player. Uh, this is not an extremely young player. He's not super old. He's not like one of those COVID players. He's just 23 years old right now. And that is kind of old for a draft prospect. But thought he was dominant. think he's a day one contributor. I personally, I think the valuation of him is going to be different from team to team, from person to person. Personally, I would think you take a guy like this in the late first round. I think it all translates. I have worries about how often can you play him? I think you run into an issue of a guy that big can only handle so many snaps. Like you're not going to be getting a guy that's going to be on the field 80% of snaps. You're hoping that he can see the field 55%, something like that. Mm -hmm. Really just a first, second down player. But I do think that there is some pass rush juice. Reader, I think, peaks out like sustainably at like 60-ish percent of snaps, somewhere around there. You don't want to see him up in that 70, 80 percent of snaps because that's how these big guys get hurt and they get gassed. Uh, so with that in mind, I think you kind of sometimes with positional value and how much a guy is going to play, you kind of bump him up a little bit. This is one of the situations where I kind of bump him down in my head a tiny bit just because I don't see him playing as many snaps as like his teammate Byron Murphy or Jerzon Newton, the other two defensive tackles that – I've really watched and I still actually have him ahead of Murphy because mm -hmm. there's 
Murphy's his own thing, but uh, I actually think he's similar to the other Murphy, the one on the team. That's so <laughs> um, but um, Newton, I have higher, and it's not that I love Newton's tape so much more. It was more so like, well, I know Newton's got to play more snaps, or at least can handle more snaps than uh, Sweat can. And then you run into the age thing, and you run into the like, could, will they be interested in the effort thing because they've passed on that before? It's also similar to Dewan Jones, where he didn't weigh in at the Senior Bowl. Now he dominated the senior bowls i think what dewan jones did at senior bowl was go there not weigh in and then leave before practice started which was bizarre but if he treats it better than that we'll see if they're interested because i think there's levels to this they were interested in tyler sheldon he had these concerns and i think it's part of the reason he flamed out but that's gonna be huge the huge part of this is gonna be something that we can't really evaluate i think there's the you know the interview process, the talking to his coaches, talking to people close to him, talking to whoever and trying to figure that part out is crucial. Now, PFF, they have him going like the third round. Not happening, guys. There's no shot. I think he goes somewhere in that late first, early second. If the Bengals took my 18, I would not kill them for it because I would understand it. But it's probably not going to be my BPA. Like I think I'll have somebody higher and at a position of need but if he could make it to that second round pick i mean i've seen some the the draft start with like bowers sweat and i think that is the most ideal start that i could imagine for the Bengals. like you get a tight end blue chipper and then second round because he's a nose tackle big and has some concerns you get another guy that's going to be a difference maker day one sign me up like that sounds great that that is my ideal spot for him or trade back if you trade back into the late first and now you're talking more about the guys that if they're in high value positions they're probably going to take a little bit to get going why not draft a guy in a little bit of a lower value position and get him he's gonna be a day one contributor okay now you're gonna talk me into it if bowers is available at 18 and sweat is there in the second round you feel like that is just like a that's an a plus plus start a plus start to me. That's huge for your future too. Yeah. I mean, you got two, these two on their rookie deals for the next four years, five years, basically for Bowers. Well, we've talked about that fifth year. Like, I don't know if everybody's going to keep accepting those when players are just good, because I think when you make like two all pros, it's like, should we? <laughs> like it might be cheaper just to extend this guy. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've got those guys for a while you've got day one contributors you've got difference makers at different spots and you i would hope that you found another pass rusher because i don't think you could draft sweat and go all right drafted a high defensive tackle to rush the passer like i think there's juice there it's got to be squeezed you know you got to sharpen the iron that's there it's just underneath everything there's potential but if you're just getting him hey he's going to plug the middle of the field like teams aren't gonna be able to run up the middle and he's gonna free up our linebackers is something that wasn't always happening uh last season especially after reader went down that's huge like that to me is huge and then maybe you have a rankings or maybe we go up in, into your market and they actually went and got matabike and i think it would be awesome if they went and signed matabike and they drafted sweat like i don't think we need to think of this like ah that's too many this defensive tackle group was one of the worst outside of the top two guys that I've seen. And it needs overhauled. Like it reminded me, I don't think people care as much because, you know, it doesn't lead to quarterback health. It did remind me of that Bengals offensive line that went to the Super Bowl, where I was like, some of these guys are probably out of the league if they're not on the Bengals. 
And that's yeah. what happened to that Super Bowl offensive line. I think that's what could happen if they let some of those defensive tackles go. Like nobody else is really touching that guy. So I think there needs to be an overhaul in this defensive tackle room. I think Sweat could be a key piece of that. Mm-hmm. And overall, he's got he's got kind of like a, a, a half of a thumb up if they do it in the first round. Like I would just – I understand it. I understand what you're doing here. It's hard to find these guys. But it's got two thumbs up if they can manage to get this guy in the second round. I'm in. I'm in. This is huge. I'm excited. You know, one of the things as we lead up to free agency, as we're about three weeks away, obviously the NFL draft will have months and months and months, well, a little over two months to talk about that. And we'll kind of pick a different guy that Mike has watched. We'll go over and um, it'll just be a really nice breakdown of, of who could possibly be there at 18 or, or maybe in the second round for the Cincinnati Bengals. Next week, we will be back. We'll talk everything combine. Daniel Jeremiah is actually going to be talking to the media on Thursday. So we'll get a little bit of his recap of what he's feeling uh, for a lot of these teams and, and who to watch out for as they hit the field and in Indy. Make sure you're following Mike Bengals underscore Sands. All of his great work on sweat on all Bengals and new uh, piece that was just released. You can follow me at Helen D.S. Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.